0: Hey, everybody. John Ramstead here with Sandra Crawford-Williamson. We just got done with an interview that, that, um, Sandra, I I think I'm still kind of in awe. I I think that's the only word I can come up with about our conversation we just had with Staff Sergeant Tim Payne.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm speechless. And, John, you know that never happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's both of us, man. So, guys, so here's the story. Um, uh, Tim Payne... 9-11 happens. Instead of going to college, he decides to enlist and fight. And he's not a believer, and he walks through some of the most intense combat that you've ever heard of. And in the middle of this, um, his story, his testimony that he shares uh, is probably one of the most powerful things. And here's something I want you guys to listen for that just struck me because of where Tim is at today. He's gone through things. He's in a wheelchair. He doesn't have his legs. Um, He is joyful. He is thankful for everything that he's gone through because of his relationship with Christ and this testimony that he shares. my it, it inspired me. How about you, Sandra?
1: I mean, it's incredible. He's just this, you know, non-believing guy who goes over. He's in Afghanistan, and, you know, they're fighting. He's trying to protect his men, and... You know, people are getting blown up all around him. And and he just has this moment where he's like, hey, if if there is a God, like, can can you just save my men? And, you know, from there, the story is completely unbelievable. One of the one of the like top testimonies I've ever heard. I mean, God came down and spoke to him and, you know.
0: And he didn't even know it was really God at the time either.
1: Yeah, he he didn't. He was, you know, and he gets blown up and, but it's just, it's unbelievable. He's all, he's going all over the world sharing his testimony and his story. He is on fire for the Lord. You know, he's won the, the Purple Heart and the Army Commendation Medal and the Army Achievement Medal and the Good Contact Medal. I mean, the medals he's won are like, paragraphs long like i can't even read it to you because it's so it's so long and um and he's just this warrior i mean he's just this warrior um fighting for our country and then in an instant god plucks him out and makes him a warrior for jesus and the 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 transformation physical mental spiritual he shares here and you've just you've got to listen to it you have to listen to it right now
0: yep and one comment i just and we're about to roll this because you guys are going to love this but if you know somebody who is a veteran who's struggling with post-traumatic stress um or anybody who has that kind of element in their life from stuff that they've gone through please take the time and forward this interview to them. It'll minister to them. It'll, it'll give them peace. It'll encourage them. So with that, um, here is our interview with Tim Payne. All right, today we have uh, uh, a special guest. I'm honored to have you on, Tim Payne. Tim, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so, Sandra, uh, my coach, uh, Cheryl Scanlon, who's just this amazing woman, calls me up, uh, Tim, and she says, I just heard this, this young man speak, um, Army veteran, uh, who'd survived uh, just some terrible combat, and uh, you're, you're now currently in a, a wheelchair, correct? Yes, that's right. And um, Cheryl said, listen, uh, it was one of the most powerful stories and testimonies that she'd ever heard. And so Tim and I, Tim you and I had a conversation and I'm like, man, I would love for you to come on the podcast and share everything that happened to you um, so man you guys are are in for a ride and 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 one thing I'd li- I'd like to start um, because when you you were about you were kind of thinking about heading to college and then 9/11 happens and and Sandra, who's my co-host, Sandra, where were you on 9/11?
1: Yeah, so I was um, just north of downtown and uh, was there for meetings, had an office there and had my team and we were heading uh, into a big meeting with Toys R Us corporate leadership and, you know, it was kind of a plane that was flying really low and then we ducked into the door of our building and into the elevator and when we came out on our floor, it was uh, total chaos. So. I was there, I had a whole team of people there, um, you know, it's longest day of my life and I remember it like it was yesterday, but the God, you know, God really used that to change the entire trajectory of my life, you know, I was no pets, no plants, no boys, i was going to rule corporate America, um, it was all about me, me, me and, you know, what the world thought of me and uh, I had this moment where later in the day I was covered in gray dust, And, uh, you know, God spoke to me and it was very clear that, hey, an hour ago, all the things you were chasing, you know, money, title, accolades, trophies, approval, that stuff is literally blowing down the street, literally. And um, you all look the same, which is how it'll be when you're in eternity. All All the stuff you've tried to surround yourself and cover yourself up with will be completely gone and you'll all be standing in front of me. And, uh, you know, I just kind of followed that away and kept running north. And um, but in the days and weeks and months to come, that just, you know, totally floored me and, and changed everything. And here I am. So, Tim, it's really neat to meet you because that very same day affected you um, in a profound way and changed the entire trajectory of your life. So will you will you take us through that?
2: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that would be my honor. Go I'm ahead, and do it. it. Yeah, so you yeah, were thinking so, of college,
0: right? What happens?
2: Well, okay, so I graduated in 2001, but um, I was kind of slacking off in high school. And as soon as uh, the World Trade Centers went, um, I actually had to go to summer school. So it was a month right after I graduated because I had to go to summer school, so August to September. And I was thinking about going to school, and as soon as um, the World Trade Centers went down, I was like, forget college. I was like, I'm going to go join the military. And but the thing is, I want to go to school to write stories and make movies. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go join the military instead because uh, I, I enjoyed watching war movies when I was a kid. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go check this out. Um, but, you know, they they, t- they teach you the military values, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And then a set of ethos like always place the mission first, never accept defeat, never quit, never leave a fallen comrade, and just go no matter what happens. And uh, I wanted to be an Airborne Ranger. Um, I ended up getting injured through the training. I got sent to the 82nd Airborne, did two combat tours. With them in uh, Iraq for um, part of Operation Iraqi Freedom, um, and then I went back for another tour, and we got uh, we were working the the elections. And while we were there, we were attached with uh, some special forces guys that were really inspiring, and we got to do um, an air assault mission, and there were some Navy SEALs out there. And so seeing all these guys operate, it really inspired me to want to go for that type of career path. And so I was really inspired. And when we came back from our tour, I went to the briefing. And um, it was a, a long briefing. They went over how long the training was. And they said, hey, come back on Monday, sign this form, and we'll give you the orders for training. So Monday came around. This is
0: special around. forces training, Tim?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I left for the military in 2003. This is 2005, May. And... Um, I come back Monday to sign this form, and my boss stops me before I can go. He's like, hey, look, you just got orders for Army recruiting today. And I'm like, what? He's like, yep. And I was like, well, I'm going to fight this. So I went and talked to the, the Special Forces recruiter, and he said, hey, man, there's nothing we can do about it. We're an all-volunteer Army, and you guys actually have priority mission. So, you know, sometimes we get stuck doing things we don't want to do. And you got to fall back on those army values and, you know, place the mission first, kick some butt out there, and uh, we'll see you in three years. So I had a choice. Either I can get out of the military or I could just go for it. And I decided to stay in, did the recruiting, and uh, adapted through it. Fell back on those values. It wasn't easy. I mean, I went from being uh, an introverted type of person to talking in schools, giving uh, um, lectures on benefits of joining the military. So I I finished doing that, and then I went to the 173rd Airborne Division and went back to Special Forces, but before I finished the selection course, I got injured right before uh, the graduation day. And they're like, hey, man, Mm. uh, sorry this happened. Come back when you get healed. And um, so when I went back to the unit, my unit's like, hey, look, sorry you didn't didn't make it. We don't want you here anymore. So I got moved to a different unit, and as soon as I got there, I was placed in the, the personnel recovery cell for the new newly formed um, Army Africa command, and it was kind of like a hey, you, you're gonna do this. So I'm working this job, and then the whole scenario with Captain Phillips went down, and Washington flew out all these specialists, and I could see them how they hold did a whole operation. I had to learn the job really really quickly. It was pretty fun. You uh, I mean, it was a cool experience. But the key thing was that I had to fall back on those values and to um, really focus on the training and uh, what was expected for the position because it was, uh, you know, people people always uh, mattered. And that was the, that was the most uh, important thing because in the, in the infantry, you know, people get killed. So basically, um, I'm working this job, and there's civil affair operators working in the command, and they just started talking to me about, you know, what I wanted to do and um, where I'm at right now and, and then how I how the, how would be a good um, asset for their command. And they're like, hey, you know, you, should, you shouldn't go uh, back to Special Forces. You should come work with us. And, well, I was like, oh, I don't really know if I really want to do that. You know, I want to go do all this training. And then the, the guy, he kind of like, Sat down and talked with me. He's like, "Check it out, man." He's like, "You got recruiting, you got two tours, you've got operation time." He's like, "You know, you can go and learn a whole new skill set, or you can amplify the skills that you've already have." And this is where the army would need you. Where this is where the army would want to have you. I mean, think about it. And I was like, "Okay," so I did. And um, I was like, "Okay, well, he makes that, that, that makes sense to me." So I gave. I, I started to pursuing that and uh, did some testing. Um, I ended up taking the ASVAB again, and uh, I took took the language test, and I had my application ready, dropped my application. The same day that I I dropped my application, I got orders to move out of the unit, and um, it wasn't for civil affairs. I got orders for the 10th Mountain Division, so I, I called my branch manager, and I was like, dude, I was like, I was like, can I stay where I'm at right now? I was like, look at this. I just dropped this application. I was like, can I, can I delay it? They're like, no, you got to go. So I get sent to the 10th Mountain Division. And um, as soon as I get there, the battalion commander pulls all the squad leaders into the battalion conference room. And he's like, all right, guys, check it out. We're going to where the Taliban started. The 82nd was there um, a year ago. The 101st is there right now. Each unit's been taking heavy casualties. Everyone needs to read this report called The Last Patrol. We're probably going to take 40% casualties. Everyone needs to make sure their men are prepared and ready to go because you're the ones leading the combat patrols.
0: Hey, Tim, what and was so, going through your mind knowing that you were you you were going to go so – you were kind of had your heart set on going uh, a different direction, but now you're in a combat unit. Uh, where they're predicting forty percent casualties. You're here, stateside, Tenth Mountain Division, and you're about to deploy uh, to the heart of the Taliban. What 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 was what was going through your head?
2: Uh, well, I was thinking about the men in my squad because uh, they're 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 the junior soldiers. You know, they've been in the army maybe a year, two years, if I'm lucky. And we're going into an area where men are going to step on bombs that are going to blow up. We're going to get ambushed by the enemy at point blank range. And I was thinking about my responsibility as a leader to help inspire them to fight through these tough battles when things get really bad. And um, so I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about the casualties that were in the report because Mostly, it was the leaders that were getting shot and killed. Like you can, there's a report called "The Last Patrol" in the Atlantic magazine, November 2010 edition. Um, it's it's really thought provoking. Like I read that after our battalion commander gave us the briefing, and it compelled me to think about my men, and then I started uh, thinking about my position and that I was probably going to get killed. So then it caused me to pray for the first time. I was like, God, if you're there. I was like, I know I'm going to get wasted. I was like, spare my men. Just take me. And that's how I got myself pretty much ready to go. I was like, all right, sweet. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm going to go over there. I'm probably going to get killed, but I'm going to do the best I can for my guys. And we deployed. And after four months of fighting, um, all we fought through really cr- uh, crazy ambushes. You know, We fought the one near ambush. Guys were stepping on bombs that weren't blowing up. The enemy were engaging us within 30 meters That means they're close enough to throw hand grenades. And then we got into another engagement two hours later, but we didn't lose any guns. None of the bombs were blown up. None of the guys were shot. And the Taliban had us have a point blank range. And it was uh, extremely intense. Got through all that. Two hours later, we got into another combat engagement where we only had two hours left on the patrol. And I was like, yo, man, we just got super lucky. Let's just go hang out. Let's not do anything. And we'll go back to base. And uh, during that time, the Taliban snuck in and they attacked us right when we were going to go back to our base. And um, it was intense. None none of my guys got shot, though. None of them got injured. And it got to the point where our unit was combat ineffective. And that means that we couldn't go on these combat patrols anymore because we were losing too many people. And uh, we wouldn't be able to guard the guard towers. So they're like, hey, no more patrols. And when that happened... I was like, whoa. I was like, I'm, I'm like the only one that didn't lose anybody out here. I was like, I'm super lucky. But then I started feeling guilty because of all the other losses that we had. And, you know, I was there fighting for my men, but then I was getting really angry about the Taliban. Uh, so they're attacking our base and I'm guarding the east wall. And I'm looking over my soldiers and I'm spotting these Taliban positions. And instead of calling out the positions, I took my soldier's machine gun, and I was like, this one's mine, and I shot and killed this guy, so my heart, like, reading the Bible now years later, I realized how my heart changed through uh, you know, when the the mission changed, because I was fighting for my men, but I didn't have to to worry about that because we're just sitting on the base, Mm -hmm. and so all I wanted to do was kill people, so thinking about it, I was like, man, my heart changed, and then the scripture talks about to guard the heart. And uh, when I started seeing those things, years later after reading the Bible, it was real, uh, real thought-provoking. Um, but anyways, when I shot and killed this person, that's when I had a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit. Like, he came at me, and he's like, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Like, the second that I saw this guy get killed is the same second that the Holy Spirit's, like, convicting me of my sin, And he's like, you just killed your fellow man. And I was like, I'm doing my job. And I didn't know. It was like the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was like, I'm telling myself that I'm just doing my job and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And he's telling me it doesn't matter. He's like, you just killed your fellow man. He's like, your protection's up. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, is this God or something? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I was like, don't kill me. Just shoot me. He's like, nope. I was like, then take one of my legs. He's like, nope. And I'm like, well, leave me alone. Get away from me. So I tried to ignore him for about eight to 10 hours and um, I'm going to the gym, playing on the internet, trying to ignore him. Time flies. It's past midnight. I can't fall asleep. I'm trying to, trying to go to bed and uh, I, I started praying to him. I was like, all right. I was like, I'll tell you what. I was like, don't kill me. I was like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I was like, I'll read your word and I'll spread it. I was like, you take both my legs. I was like, please don't kill me. And I didn't get a response. Uh, so I fell asleep the next morning, my platoon sergeant, the guy in charge of me, he comes out to me and he's like, Hey, look, we shot that guy yesterday. We got to go out there and clear out that position. And since you don't lose any soldiers, you're going to go. It's the last patrol. And I was like, all right, sweet. So I briefed my guys, we go out there. And as soon as I'm out there, the Holy spirit came back and he's like, get ready. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? I just felt this, this gut wrenching feeling just come over me. And I was looking at the ground, and then, bam! This huge explosion happened, and I got blown up. And uh, that was that was real intense. So, so what what happened there, Tim? Um, okay, so I'm walking the line. My men are in a position. We're setting up Claymore mine uh, to guard our flank, and I'm spooling the wire back to our initial spot where we're going to kind of like overwatch for enemy, and as soon as I get back there, I'm going to go camouflage this wire to where this claymore mine's buried. And as I was walking back, I got blown up, and I was laying on the ground, and I knew exactly what happened to me. Um, it, w- it was a buried mine that w- it was either command detonated or it was um, an IED. Not, not really sure, but um, <clears throat> when it exploded... Uh, it was, it was really brutal. Uh, I didn't lose consciousness. I was awake. My right leg was gone right below the knee. My left leg was pretty damaged. It was gone above the knee. And um, it wasn't like no clean cut either. Like the skin was blasting off. It was, it was really brutal. Um, my men got on top of me. They got tourniquets on me. My left arm was blown wide open. Like at the forearm, the left forearm. So I could see the bones. But my my guys, they were they jumped right on top of me so fast, and they put tourniquets on me, and I had eight tourniquets on by the time they were done with me. They stopped all the bleeding, and I was just thinking to myself, "Man, I traveled around the world, I fought for my country, I'm dying for these guys." I was like, "Man, I did what I had to do. I'm good." So I felt like I was like living up to, um, you know, everything made sense to me, I guess. And so the, the, the helicopter got there. They they got me out of there, and. The doctors put me out, um, and then two weeks later, I wake up. But in this two-week process, I was having these crazy dreams, visions of being, like, tormented, and then uh, flying up to heaven, seeing nuclear war, all these really intense dreams. And I came back, and it was two weeks later from being in medical coma, medical-induced coma. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at my dad, and I'm just trying to explain to him what I experienced and he's like, don't talk about these things. So I didn't talk about any of the stuff that I experienced. So I was trying to tell him about, you know, the, the prayer and shooting the person. and But no, nobody wanted to hear it. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk about it. Three years later, I fight through medication addiction. I fight through suicide. And then the same day that I retired, I was trying to have my, my ex-wife. Uh, we were married at the time. I was like, hey, tell your brother to come help us move. I was, he, he's on unemployment doesn't have a job i feel bad that you have to pack this whole place up and i can't help have him come help us move it'll help you it'll help me i'll pay him to do it it'll be great we can hang out in dc yada 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 she never asks him the same day that i asked her to have him be there is the same day he died and um when that happened i just felt like something was calling me and i had to figure these things out and then that's when i started reading the bible
0: Hey, Tim, you know, leading up to that um the day when uh the ID went off, where where were you faith wise prior to God showing up and, and just coming at you powerfully like you described?
2: Um, I never read the Bible. I mean I saw the Passion of Christ, but I just thought it was kind of like a good movie, like good. I didn't know the whole um I didn't know everything. Um I never, I never, I never really, I never prayed before. I was just uh, doing my own thing. You know, I, I believed in the army values. You know, I guess you could say that uh, I I took those very seriously. Um, I tried to, and it it really pushed me through tough times in my career. So that was like my main focal point. And the whole thing with personal courage is, uh, you know, face fear and adversity, whether it's physical or moral. And uh, that's how I try to live as a as a soldier in the military. And um, yeah, I never really gave uh, faith uh, any any thoughts. I thought that what I was doing was good enough.
0: You know, and as you recovered, Tim, you know, you know, God had like I can't imagine you're you're thinking back. Like he said, hey, here, you know, something's coming. Right. And then boom. And he showed up to you the day before. You know how are you thinking and processing about, you know, who Jesus is, who God is, what it means to you, which led to kind of this this day in D.C. when when your brother in law passes away.
2: I yeah I didn't know I didn't know I was actually uh, really angry that I went on this Christian retreat, but it was so this was February 2014, but in September 2013 um, there was this organization called Warrior Beach Retreat. And I went down there and it was like a Christian retreat and I didn't know. And I was really upset that I was there because I felt like I got blindsided. Um, But then, you know, I was a mocker. Really, really, I really was. Um, I I didn't really believe it. And um, I don't know, I I guess you could say I thought it looked like a weakness to other people or something. So I never really gave it a thought. But when when Stephen died, that was my uh, ex-wife's brother. When he died, I knew that something was calling me, and I didn't know what it was. And so I was. Long story short, I, I got. A, I started reading the Bible, and when I did, I was looking through it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is a huge book." And I saw my name, Timothy. I'm like, "Oh, my name's in here. I'm like, that's interesting." And then I was like, "What does my call sign say?" So my army call sign was Delta Two Three, mm-hmm. and the infantry mentality that I had, I was like, "Oh, there's two letters to Timothy. The second one shorter." I'll read this one. This one's probably better than the first one. So then I was like, <laughs> "What does my call sign say?" And it says, "To endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." And that was the first scripture that I've read. Wow! And I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, wow. "I endure these hardships." Yes. So it was instantly speaking to me as soon as I opened it. And um, I'm like, "Who's this Jesus guy?" So then I did a Google search and it says to read the Gospels and I was like all right well which Bible do I pick and I ended up choosing the King James Bible so I'm going through it I don't understand any of it I get through Matthew get to chapter 26 Jesus is about to get captured and Peter tries to stop him from being captured he pulls out his sword and he strikes this Roman guard but then Jesus stops him and he's like put away your sword all those that live by the sword, die by the sword. And I was like, that's what I heard when I shot that guy. Dude, that just gave like,
0: me total goosebumps huh? because that's the mode you were in. Peter drawn the sword, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was like, man, I was like, I think that was probably a guy talking to me back when I was in Afghanistan. And this is three years later. So I'm like, is this is this possible? I'm like, i got to figure this stuff out. So I'm going through Mark. I get to chapter 9, verse 45. It says, if your feet cause you to sin, cut them off. It is better to lose one foot and let that burn in hell rather than your whole body get cast in hell. And uh, and so it's like it, it's saying if your legs cause you to stumble in sin, to chop them off. And I'm like, dude, I was like, I actually asked for this to happen when I was in Afghanistan. I was like, this is a prayer that I made between me and God. And I didn't even know, like, These things would be like in the Bible. So I I saw a connection and I'm like, that's pretty interesting. I was like, I'm going to figure this stuff out. And so I started reading through Luke and then I started understanding who Jesus was, that he was foretold in the Old Testament. The scriptures pointed to him that he would live and uh, he would die for our sins and he would reconcile our relationship between us and the Father. And we pray through him and he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So I was like, okay. Well, I led these army values for the army, and I was living these ethics for the army. I could see how Jesus was living by that same type of code of conduct, by always placing his mission first and trying to help other people. And he never quit. And even, you know, him dying on the cross. So I I could see a a correlation of values and ethics that how I was trying to live in the military. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Definitely not. But um i was like man i was like jesus is the ultimate leader i was like i was a christian my whole career in the military and so then i started reading through john and i got to chapter three and jesus is talking to nicodemus he's like a man must be reborn of spirit to seek god's kingdom and nicodemus is like well um he's like how can a man be reborn can he go back into his mother's womb and jesus is like no he's like what's born of flesh is flesh but what, what is born of spirit is spirit. And so I'm like, I'm like, all right. I started praying. I was like, Jesus, I was like, all right, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I was like, I live these army values for the army. I'll do mm-hmm. it for you. I was like, I can see these connections. I was like, maybe that was the Holy Spirit in Afghanistan. I was like, help me, uh, correct my heart and, you know, fix me. And he started changing me and I started getting more motivated. And I had a supernatural encounter, um, after I got up to chapter 15, Verse 13, it says, there's no greater love for a man to lay down his life for his friends. And I was like, that's the first prayer that I even made before I left for Afghanistan. So I, I made two prayers that coincided with Scripture, which caused me to believe instantly. And um, I had a supernatural encounter with, uh, with God. And he's like, hey, I got you now. You go out there and say, you go out there and tell people how I saved you. And I'm like, all right. So uh, I started reading the Old Testament because I felt accountable for the Scriptures I read this book called Numbers, and in the first chapter, uh, it talks about, like, all those that are called to go to war are the ages of 20 and above. And I was like, okay, well, I joined the army when I was 20. That's kind of cool. That applies to me. I was like, that's, that's pretty sweet. So, all I, I like, I like when little, you know, scriptures, like, speak to you mm-hmm. and something. Like, that's kind of cool. And then, so, I got to Numbers chapter 4, and it says, all that are called to serve God are the ages of 30, even up until 50. So I was 31 years old, finally reading the Bible and thinking about, you know, how, you know, seven represents completion and then eight's like a new beginning. I got blown up in my eighth year and it started a whole new transition of life. And I could see how God was like, kind of like preparing, um, you know, my, my, uh, my testimony to serve him. And I'm like, man, I was like, this is pretty awesome. I was like, all right, well, obviously... I'm gonna be serving God now, and just going out there and sharing my story, and finding just more connections that kind of uh, really, you know, just prove it to me. So it's been it's been a really cool experience to go through the scriptures and find these patterns, and uh, learning about Christ and His redemptive power. Um, but when when I had that encounter, He was like, "Hey, look," He's like, "I've given you everything I wanted you to do." they put you on army recruiting because this is a recruiting operation for my kingdom it's a personal recovery mission because the people uh live in sin you gotta you know tell them about me and what i can do for them and then um it's a civil civil operation so to me looking at everything you know everything and from like god's point of view like tim was just thinking about going do civil affairs for the army and do all this other stuff but then Maybe God was in the background being like, hey, I'm going to get this guy to work for me instead. And so I feel like I've been conscripted uh, from everything I experienced in it. But as, as I was reading through the scriptures, I could see all these little patterns how God was preparing uh, things over time. So I was living by these army values. I was always trying to do it to serve the, the nation and to serve my unit. No matter whatever I, was, whatever I was doing, I was trying to put 100% into it. And uh, learning all this stuff, I'm like, okay, now I need to go and serve God. How can I do this? I um, learned about the adaptive sports uh, with uh, the Invictus Foundation and then the Warrior Games. And I just started submitting the applications and then going to these different city marathons. And uh, I, wanted to, I wrote my story out to go and share to try to help inspire others that if they put their trust in, in Christ, that... He'll push him through it because as soon as I got baptized by the Holy Spirit, all of my anger, depression and everything that was negative and all the doubt was just gone. And I felt like completely renewed. And then reading Galatians chapter five, it just really like closes the deal. It talks about the fruits of the spirit. And um, so it was a really amazing experience to fight in the war, get injured Going through the healing process, fighting through medication addiction, being suicidal, and then ultimately starting to read the scriptures, and then seeing that you know God's actually out there, and you know if we if we pray to Jesus, He can hear our prayers and totally help us out. Um, it, that was like the biggest thing that um, that was like the icing on the cake, uh, icing on the cake from retiring. I'm like that's my best. Uh, retirement gift that anybody could ask for it was just to find out that god was real and uh that he was fighting for my for the guys in my my uh, squad and in the scripture talks about faith the size of a mustard seed can grow into the biggest tree so all these little things all working together and when people are out there struggling i know that god's just preparing something bigger for them in their life because if he can get me through it he can get anybody through anything
1: Wow wow that is incredible and you know I, I want to go back to what you you tell your dad when you come to in the hospital your your dad's probably there right and oh, yeah. you te- and you tell your dad about these dreams and he's like oh forget that ever happened he he wanted to sort of gloss over it pretend like it didn't happen
2: yes and uh-huh.
1: and and, and, and and what about now, now that you're traveling the world and you're ministering to all these people, um, you know, what, what's your dad think? Uh,
2: well, he doesn't really, he doesn't talk to me, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And well, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, I guess you could say it's a challenge, but the scripture says that, you know, when, when Jesus left, he said, I'll send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And um, that's been uh, uh, something really that's that's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it goes to show that to to speak out and be obedient and sharing your story that the Lord's given you sometimes you're standing all alone, but but at the same time you're never alone because you're doing his work and he's with you. But um wow. I mean, I was just perched on the edge of my seat this whole time listening to this. I mean, there's so many people out there that think they're facing tough times, and they think they're waiting for, like, some pastor to come take them to church, or they think they're waiting for, um, you know, a Bible study to invite them, you didn't have any of that. You were all by yourself, oh. just completely calling out of desperation to the Lord, and He came along, and He plucked you up, and He He's given you this incredible testimony and the abilities and the gifts with which to go share it. So, you know, if you're out there listening and, and you're sitting waiting, um, you know, go pick up a Bible like Tim did, you know, just yeah. just just open it and start reading. I mean, what, what do, you, do you agree with that, Tim?
2: 100%. That's that's the whole reason why I wrote my book. So I can share the testimony and then people would actually, you know, seek out Christ for themselves because there's no telling what. Type of calling that God has on somebody, and the thing is that people don't search, uh, you know, search off what God has in store for them, and it's a huge loss because there's no telling what anybody's calling can be. And when they start reading the scripture, they can start finding things and you know, finding Jesus ultimately,
1: yeah. And so, the book is um, chosen this. And, and the you, do you have two books? Is that right? Is that what I'm Yeah.
2: So the the first one is the squad leader's bargain, and uh, it's kind of like more of a a testimonial. Yeah. But chosen covers everything. Like it is, it's pretty. I think I think I've done a better job with chosen, uh, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm actually getting ready to uh, write another one, Um, and that's that's for the people in Brazil. I, I was just in Brazil and just sharing my story out there, and they want me to come back, but it's is not, you know, as rich of a nation as, you know, you'd probably think. So I'm trying to come out with a smaller edition that's real cheap. That way I can go down there and do all that cool stuff again.
1: That's awesome.
0: You know, Tim, well, I – oh, go, um, go ahead, Sandra.
1: I was just going to say my dad is an amputee. He lost one leg um, to cancer. And, um, you know, so I, I have, a, I guess, a different kind of understanding of – of what you've gone through, losing both your legs. And, um, it, you know, just to hear the hope and the joy in your voice and that you feel blessed by, by what happened to you um, is it, just, it's really powerful. And so I just want to thank you for having the courage to put your story out there.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, um, the scripture talks about it's not a war against flesh and blood but against uh, principalities, spiritual wickedness. So seeing that it's a spiritual battle and not a physical battle just gets me to see that, okay, I fought the physical war, then I fought the mental war, now I'm going to fight this ongoing spiritual war and just try to do what's right and give glory to God. And, and,
0: you know, Tim, the thing that just really stands out at me... um... I had an accident uh, that I shouldn't have survived, put me in the hospital for almost two years, and God showed up at the accident and spoke to me. One of the things he shared with me, and I didn't even know it was from Romans at the time, but he, the first thing he said to me was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And I, I think something that's a huge takeaway is whether we know him personally or not, like you didn't. Um, He's always been right there above you, right beside you, inside and and inside of you every step of the way. As you made some of those prayers at the time that you didn't even know lined up with Scripture, that, you know, in the middle of it, He came and spoke with you. And I think if everybody can realize wherever they're at in their, their journey, that God is right there and wants the best for us and all this stuff that we go through, um, from his perspective it's very different than how we view it as we go through it, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's all, and, yeah. And it's such a huge encouragement to read the scriptures too. Like, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, God is a spirit rolling through the earth, looking for people who are ready, you know? And so, um, I had my time and it was a long time coming, but it was, it was the most extraordinary experience And I'm thankful for it. I mean, I would never change it. Like, everything that happened has been such a cool experience and things that I'm able to do now. Never thought that I'd be able to do it um, beforehand. But, you know, when you're serving God, there's nothing that brings you more joy than that.
0: Yeah. Now, do you know who um, General Jerry Boykin is? Uh, It sounds familiar. He's a believer. He was a two-star. He's he's, uh, the officer that founded Army's Delta Force. And... Um, he shared with me once uh, over cigars, he goes, you know, the, the the cure for post-traumatic stress is the Holy Spirit in a personal relationship with Jesus. And there's a lot That's of right. people out there listening right now um, that have post-traumatic stress either from military, from combat, or also just from life. Just, you know, abuse, situations they've been in, Um people that have been through slavery and trafficking, which is uh, epidemic in this world right now. you know. And if you were speaking, to, and I know you do, to a, a room and a group like that, that are just really kind of where you were, just struggling in just the middle of this, of this almost spiritual warfare going on, um, what else would you share with them in addition to what you've already shared, which has been really powerful?
2: Well, if, if somebody's going through a tough time, I will definitely go find somebody that's gone through something similar to that because I didn't realize what a strength it was to be around other disabled veterans. And um, we started motivating each other through adaptive sports, and it really pushes you. So you're out there riding with uh, – we were doing hand cycles, and I was out there riding with them. They were riding with me. We were motivating each other, pushing each other along, and we got a lot of um, – there's a lot of healing out of that. And it was uh, a really amazing experience. But I was, I was in such a dark place when I wasn't doing that. I was isolating myself, very negative, And it's just getting out of that, um, that isolation and getting in, involved with something. I mean, it doesn't have to be adaptive sports, but just getting out there and being part of the community. And that's why I think of like going to church to share burdens Pray for one another, and it's just so important um, to to just get with other people that are fighting through similar battles, and then also to do some PT. Gotta get out there and work out. It's such a great stress reliever, and you know, you never know where it can take you.
0: Now, how do people connect you? Chosen Leadership is your website. That's C H O S E N, ChosenLeadership.com. Uh, how else do people connect with you, hear about you, have you come in and, and speak to their group, churches, organizations, whatever it happens to be? They need to have you come in.
2: Yeah, um, I'm on all the social media stuff. So if they look me up, you'll find me. Uh, if you go right to the website, all the social media buttons are right under my main picture. Um, I'm going to be changing the website around a little bit here in the near future, but it's super easy. There's a contact form, and people will contact me through there. Um, but it's uh, other than that. That that's the only ways of contacting me.
0: Well, Tim, thank you, my goodness, for sharing. That was uh, that was just something I needed to hear personally. It was an amazing experience for me. And just as we kind of land the plane here, so to speak, uh, we the patrols return into base. Uh, what are just some final thoughts you have, just to leave with everybody that's been listening?
2: Uh, definitely. Careful what you pray for. Make sure you're praying to <laughs> Jesus, and <laughs> and uh, make sure you're living by the warrior values, or the, I'm sorry, the army values and warrior ethos. That's got to be the most important thing because that's how God wants us to live. To get out there and share the gospel, so other people can get other people can get here and they can get saved.
0: Yeah, and how would you describe the warrior ethos, Tim?
2: Always place mission first. You know, spread the gospel. Never accept defeat. Don't get discouraged when people ridicule you. Don't leave a fallen comrade. Don't leave anyone behind. So make sure you're covering all people. And don't quit. And living by the Army values loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. That's like those ethos are surrounded by those values. So that's like the, you know, you got to carry it and it's got to be done right um and so and you know what's crazy i told god that i would do it i was like and it was between me and him and it was before i even knew him i was like hey i'll go out there and i'll do these things for you uh you know spare me and you know like i said careful what you pray for because uh god put me through through a roller coaster ride and it was tough it had some low points but it has some high points too wow
0: tim thank you for coming on um uh, I would love to hear everybody's feedback on this on our Facebook page at Eternal Leadership. You'll see a post on this and also our, our show notes on everything about this interview and how to connect with Tim. And if there's anything at all um, Sandra and I can do for you personally, Tim, please don't ever hesitate to, to reach out. We'd love to uh, be part of whatever you know, doors, God, you know, doors God needs to open or is opening for you and, and just be part of that, my friend.
2: Great. Thank you so much. And God bless you and your ministry and everything you're doing. Thank you, buddy.